17 in your Bibles, if you would please. 1 Samuel chapter 17. I would ask that you would look at a couple of different passages this evening. And so we'll be prepared for 1 Samuel chapter 17. And then I also want you to prepare to look at 2 Samuel. Did I say 2 Samuel? 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel 17. And then I want you to also find 2 Samuel chapter 21. So we'll be in 1 Samuel 17 first. And then I want to go to 2 Samuel chapter 21. First Samuel chapter 17, and then we'll go to 2 Samuel chapter 21. Let's all stand to our feet if we could please in honor of the Word of God this evening. Verse number 11 of 1 Samuel chapter 17. When Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now David was the son of that Ephrathite of Bethlehem Judah, whose name was Jesse. And he had eight sons, and the man went among men for an old man in the days of Saul. Verse 14, And David was the youngest, and the three eldest followed Saul. Look at uh, verse number 19. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words. And David heard them. And all the men of Israel, what's this say here, when they saw the man, fled from him. And were what? So afraid. Now, turn with me, if you would please, to 2 Samuel chapter 21. And let's begin reading in verse number 15. 2 Samuel chapter 21, and let's pick it up in verse number 15. Moreover, the Philistines had yet war again with Israel. And David went down and his servants with him and fought against the Philistines, and David waxed faint. And Ishbi Benab, which was of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose spear weighed 300 shekels of brass in weight, he being girded with a new sword, thought to have slain David. But Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, succored him and smote the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swore unto him, saying, Thou shalt go no more out with us to battle, that thou quench not the light of Israel. And it came to pass after this that there was again a battle with the Philistines at Gob. Then Sibishai, the Hushathite, slew Saph, which was of the sons of the giant. And there was again a battle in Gob with the Philistines, where Elhanan, the son of Jeroor again, a Bethlehemite, slew the brother of Goliath the Gittite, the staff of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. And there was yet a battle in Gath, where was a man of great stature that had on every hand six fingers and on every foot six toes, four and twenty in number. And he also was born to the giant. And when he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shimea, the brother of David, 
slew him. These four were born to the giant in Gath and fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please speak to hearts this evening. I, I yield this service to you, Lord. I, I desire to preach your word and that your word would be able to make an impact in the hearts of your people. I, I, I'm incapable of preaching with power, Lord. I beg you, please, for power from on high. I pray that you would fill this place with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would take over in this service and that everything that would be said would be said to your honor and to your glory. I, I pray that you would please guide my thoughts and my speech. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit and fill this place. We pray this as we ask it in Jesus' name. And amen. You can be seated. Something has happened between David's generation when he was young and this generation. We don't know David's exact age, but it seems that there's about 40 to 45 years in between the battle that took place with Goliath when David, by the power of God, was able to, to kill him. And the battle that takes place here near the latter years of David's life. Israel responds very differently. In, in one place, Israel is scared of what they see when one giant by the name of Goliath comes out to face them. They all take off running and we know the story. We've heard it and preached it many times, what David then, by the power of God, did. Of course, Israel receives courage after Goliath is slain and they then get behind David in the battle and they begin then to go after the Philistines. But what you might consider to be another generation later, approximately 40 years, there's another entire group of young men that are following and fighting with David. This time they don't run and hide. This time they're not in their tents and behind the rocks. They're not in the bushes. They're not fleeing in fear. This time there's four giants and four different young men by themselves kill them. What's the difference between David's younger years and this generation? Why is it that one generation was afraid and the next generation was willing to face their giants? I want to say, before I really get into the meat of the message, that hear me out, every generation has giants to fight. Every generation does. And I, I don't have a clue, but, but I want to I ask this generation something. What do you stand for? What are you willing to fight for? Because it, I, I'm being honest, and I'm not trying to be unkind, but sometimes I don't have a clue what this generation stands for. I know what the previous generation stood for. I know what my dad stood for. He was very clear about it. 
I know what the men before him stood for. They were very clear about it. They fought for things like the purity of the King James Bible, and they stood for it. But, but, but this generation has given up that fight like crazy. Well, it doesn't matter what Bible you use as long as you just hear from God. Let me tell you something. There is a pure Word of God that is preserved for every generation, and I don't believe that it only exists in the originals. And you can, listen to me, you can try as a younger generation to explain away in a much more intelligent way of thinking than the previous generations had why it is that we don't have a pure Word of God in the King James Bible. But can I tell you something? That is a battle that was fought in their generation and in the generation before them and in the generation before them going all the way back to the translation of it. That battle has been fought over and over and over again. It's nothing new. But for some reason, this generation thinks it's a new fight and you have new information. They knew what they stood for. I know what my father stood for when it came to standards and holiness. And he didn't back down on him, and he still hasn't. But this generation, I don't know if, if this generation has a clue what they stand for. This generation spends more time excusing why it is that we don't have standards than fighting for the standards that God describes in His Word. Yep. I said it. I said this generation spends more time excusing why we don't have standards than fighting for the standards of holiness that are described in that book. And can I tell you, your fight is nothing new either. Do you really honestly think that your mom and dad, when they started believing in the holiness standards of the Bible, didn't have the same issues? Have you studied the hippie generation? Do you have any clue what they were fighting against? They were fighting against free love and Woodstock. Hello? Oh, it is not time to pray. Every generation is going to have giants to fight. Sometimes they're the same giants. Same family, same issues, same problems. These were all of the family of the giant that Goliath came from. We, we, we don't, it, it's kind of hard to tell if these are his sons or his brothers, or, but they're related somehow. And, and, and the battles that this generation fights will be related to the battles that the previous generation fought. You're not fighting anything new. We've just decided to give up ground. But you see, in David's generation, there were a bunch of people that were fleeing from the fight. But because one man stood, Four men stood. Are you listening? 
Because one man stood, four men stood. Because one man had courage, four men got courage. Because one man became a champion through God, four men became champions through Are you getting the picture? Every generation will have giants to fight. And I want to speak to you on that subject of generational giants. Generational giants. Dear Heavenly Father, I beg you again, please, for the power of your Holy Spirit on this service. We pray this as we ask it in Jesus' name. These four were born to the giant in Gath and fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. I want to say number one. Every generation will receive courage to fight in their generation if one man stands. If one man stands. One. And so while everybody else is running from the fight, I'm not talking about the little layups like, well, I think we should stand for whether or not Jesus is the Messiah. That's an easy one. You can agree with that with Methodists and Lutherans and non-denominationalists and maybe even some Mormons. But what about the ones that nobody wants to fight? Huh? Praise the Lord. We ought, we, ought to, we ought to fight for whether or not Jesus Christ is the Messiah. I'm not saying we shouldn't. I'm saying that's a layup. I'm saying, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We're in baseball country. I'm saying that's a slow pitch over the plate. I'm saying it's easy. But what about the ones that aren't? What about the ones that look like giants like they did when the children of Israel came before the giants the first time on the edge of the promised land? Huh? And they looked up at him and said, nah, you know, we are as grasshoppers in their eyes. I don't, I don't know about this one. Hello? Yeah. See, see what, what, what I'm afraid this generation is missing is the previous generation found the promised land in their Christian lives because they stood for something. This generation is trying to find the back door into the promised land instead of fighting the giants. And it didn't work for the generation that tried not to fight the giants. They didn't get to go in. Did you catch what I just said? Hey, hey. Y'all want a pussyfoot and preacher or you want somebody to preach the truth every now and then? I don't know what this generation stands for. And I, I'm very concerned because if this generation doesn't stand for something, if there isn't one person who stands up and fights the fights that nobody else wants to fight, then the next generation is going to have no courage, they're going to be spineless, and churches like ours are going to die. I, I don't think 
there's really any question where I stand on a majority of things. I haven't been here real long, and I think people know what I believe about a great number of things. What about you? Does anybody at work know what you really believe? Let me ask you a question. Honestly, does anybody in your family even really know what you believe? I don't know. Um, Brother Chris, Miss Laura, I'm pretty sure I know what you two believe. You're, you're pretty settled. I can see it. You talk about it. It's pretty clear. But, but where, where is this generation? You know, it's going to take, it's going to take some, some young people with some courage who say, you know what? I am not giving in to the calls of this world to just compromise on everything because it will make things easier and we can all go into the promised land together. No, if you don't face your giants, you don't get to go in. You just don't. You don't get to have God's blessing without obedience. You can have the world's blessing. You can have your boss's blessing. But if you want God's blessing, you've got to obey. And that means there are going to be some things you've got to stand for when nobody else wants to. There are going to be times at work, young person or adult, where everybody's standing around telling dirty jokes and you've got to step in and say, uh, listen, y'all, I don't want to hear that stuff. Oh, you're one of those goody-two-shoes Christians, huh? No, I'm not a goody-two-shoes Christian. I just don't believe that's right and I don't want to be talking about that kind of stuff. So if you're going to talk about that kind of stuff, don't do it around me. Hello? Oh, okay, Bible thumper. Well, okay, you think the previous generation didn't put up with that? Now, I'm not trying to be unkind, but you think I didn't put up with that? I was a preacher's kid. Every job I worked, there was some kind of temptation that you had to take a stand for. And brother, I've been faced with just about everyone in the book. You name them. And I'm not going to name them, but I could. A kid raised in a Christian home. Well, this, this generation just has it harder than all the other ones. You just don't understand. <laughs> there is nothing new under the sun. Amen. Temptation to sin is temptation to sin. It's always been there. Now, I understand that every generation might face different types of temptation to drag you into those same sins, but every generation has had to face temptations to sin. They might look a little different, but they're the same temptations leading to the same sins. Is everybody okay? No, 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 no. This generation isn't sitting here because they had it easy. This generation is sitting here because somebody stood. Because somebody stood. And then a few others around them got some courage and said, all right, if they can do it, I can do it. Hello? Amen. If 
my dad can stand for what's right, I can stand for what's right. If the preacher can stand for what's right, I can stand for what's right. If my brother can stand for what's right, I can stand for what's right. If Colton can stand for what's right, I can stand for what's right. And you can. And I'll stand with you. And if nobody else lines up with you, I will. And if your school gives you trouble because you decided, you know what, I'm going to church instead of that function because they told me I have to be there on Sunday, but I just... And if they come after you for that, tell me. I'll stand with you. Because you have a constitutional right. And I'll get in that fight. takes the courage of somebody who's willing to stand to encourage the next generation. Look at these guys. <laughs> They're just out there killing giants like the previous generation didn't even exist. They're just out there taking care of business like this has always been the way it's been. Well, it wasn't always that way. Saul and everybody else was running and hiding. Who are these guys? The king of Israel is running and hiding in David's generation. Not even the leaders would stand. But one man comes along and he says, I'll stand. Because there's a cause and it's worth it. Every generation is going to have giants to fight. And it will take the courage of one person to stand to give courage to the next generation. I want to say secondly, not only will it take courage, but it will take a cause. Now I want you to look at something that I find very interesting. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 21 and look at verse number 21. Well, actually, look at, well, let's, let's find out who this giant is. This is the guy with six fingers and six toes on every hand and foot. He got 24 of them. I just love that detail in the Bible. Like, I'm glad God shared that with us, you know? Like, I don't know what is going on there, but he's different. I mean, how can you not read your Bible with some interest every now and then? I mean, every now and then, God just gives you a little nugget of detail, and you're like, whoa. And there was yet a battle in Gath where was a man of great stature that had on every hand six fingers and on every foot six toes, four and twenty in number. Like, I'm, I don't know. Um, did, who was this one? Jonathan. Did Jonathan know that? You know, I don't know. Like, did Jonathan get up there and be like, that guy has six fingers and six toes and I don't care. You know, or did, did everybody know, you know, like this guy's got six fingers. Like, I don't know. How is this known? But God tells us. And on every foot six toes, four and twenty in number, and he also was born to the giant. And when he noticed this, that, that was not the interesting thing, that was just a fun thing. This interests me. Look at verse number 21. And when he, what? Defied Israel. Does that sound familiar? Hello? Isn't that exactly what Goliath did? Isn't that exactly the terminology that's used in 1 Samuel 17? Exactly the terminology. 
that Goliath stepped out and he defied the armies of the Lord God of Israel. Yes? Defied them and they all went running. This time? And when, and when he, notice that, notice that interesting word, and when he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shimei, the brother of David, slew him. Now when Goliath defied the armies of the living God, everybody went running. When six fingers and six toes guy, who we don't have the name of, defies the armies of Israel, Jonathan said, I'll take care of him. Got it. Same defiance, different response. Right? One generation when God was defied, one generation when Israel was defied, which could be a picture of the church, could be a picture, I didn't say we replaced it, don't get on me about that. But corporately speaking, when God's people were defied, they all ran and hid. Nobody wanted to stand. But this time, when the armies of God were defied, when Israel was defied, somebody stood up. Now, we see the totally different reaction between these two generations. But what was the difference? When David heard Goliath defying the armies of the living God, he brought it to his attention and said, Buddy, you ain't going to be defying the armies of the living God in my presence. We're going to take care of this. And then, who is it that takes care of the next one that does this? Verse number 21, And when he defied Israel, Jonathan the son of Shimea, the brother of... What? The brother of David. What? This is his nephew. Did you catch that? You think that maybe, I don't know, and, and I don't want to add to the Scripture something that's not there, but do you think these people were human and they talked about some of these things? Like you and I do? You think they were ever sitting around the Thanksgiving table and Uncle David was talking about that one time, that uncircumcised Philistine did that dumb thing? You think maybe? I mean, I don't know, I think probably. I think probably every now and then, the brothers of David got together and now that he's king, they're sitting around talking, and Uncle David is sitting there, you know, like, like your Uncle David does. Right? And, and Uncle David is sitting there, and he's like, I remember this one time. And just the way he says it, everybody knows what's coming. Right? Like, we all, we all know when somebody says something a certain way, you, just, you know what story's coming, right? Might be dad or grandpa or, you know, uncle so-and-so, right? And maybe Uncle David is sitting there, and I'm not trying to add to the Scriptures, I'm just using my imagination. Maybe Uncle David is sitting there and he says, I remember this one time. This guy steps out, starts defying the armies of the Lord God. And I walked out there and I said, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Now, I mean, that was like borderline Baptist cussing. But that's what he said. He called him a name. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Oh, men of God should always be nice. He walks out there and starts name calling. Hey, you uncircumcised piece of junk. Talk about my God like that. Hello? 
well, but Christians are always supposed to be nice, turn the other cheek and all that. <laughs> Is everybody okay? And maybe a little nephew Jonathan's sitting there listening. Huh? He says, I want a giant. Yeah, that's right. You step out and defy the Lord God of Israel and the armies of the Lord God of Israel, you're not going to get away with that. I don't know how it got passed down to Jonathan, but I know this. He's related to David. And when the same thing happened that happened in David's generation, Uncle David took care of it, and so did nephew Jonathan. He said, fine, you want to defy? I'll do the same thing Uncle David did. Get over here, you six-toed freak. That's probably in there. And when he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shimea, the brother of David, slew him. And why is that? Because however he got the story, and we don't know how he got the story, he knew that his uncle said, there is a cause worth fighting for. And let me say something. Every generation needs some causes that they take up, or we will lose that fight in the next generation. And I'm here to say that your generation and every generation is going to have some giants to fight and it is going to take somebody with courage to stand up to give the next generation the courage to do the same. And there must be a cause worth fighting for. Stop giving up ground, you bunch of independent Baptists. Fight for something every now and then. I'm not talking about being unkind. I'm not talking about being angry. I'm not talking about going... I'm not even talking about going on Facebook and arguing with people. you have any clue that I don't really think that helps anything? And I'm not saying you shouldn't, but Facebook fights really are just a bunch of people entrenched in their opinion that don't really change their opinion. I have never really seen it come to anything. Most people are not humble enough to let it come to anything. Our fight is in our churches. Our fight is in our homes. I mentioned some of this on Wednesday night. I, I need, I, well, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. Where's my watch? It's up there. Um, our fight is in our homes. I mentioned some of this on Wednesday night. Don't, don't be giving up ground, parents and grandparents, because some of your kids and grandkids have gone to the world and you feel like it's going to help if you just kind of back off a little bit and try to go reach them where they are. Because I've seen it happen over and over and over again, and I am growing weary of watching pastors change and ministries change and, and people that used to stand for what's right change because one of their kids walked away from the Lord, and I think in the genuineness of their heart, in an, in an attempt to try to reach them, Instead of doing what the prodigal son's father did, staying home and waiting for him to come to his senses and get right with God, they're going out into the world and changing everything that they taught you and they are losing the battle. You don't go get your kids in sin by getting in the muck and mire with them. It never works. You don't go waller in the pig pen in order to try to get them out of the pig pen. The Lord gave us a principle that the father stayed home for a reason. 
He stayed home and very lovingly waited for his son to come home. And he was not there with a vengeful spirit saying, well, my son has run away from God and I just don't want anything to do with him anymore. That's not it. He was there with a loving spirit saying, I love my son, I'm grieved for my son, but when he comes to his senses, I'll be where I've always been. Is everybody okay? You cannot afford just because your kids have decided that they don't believe in the things that the Bible teaches to go out and try to get them by changing your beliefs and standards to fit where they are. I've never seen it work, not once. Maybe you've seen it work. I've never seen it work. Never seen it work. But what I have seen happen is over and over and over again, as parents soften and preachers soften and, and, and leaders in the church soften to try to reach somebody that walked away from God, as they soften, what ends up happening is the generation that you should have been holding the line for so that your other kids don't go where your one kid did, you lose them too. Because you've changed now. And because you've changed, they think it's okay. And because they think it's okay, the ones coming behind you are all going to be over here where your other child is. That's not what you want. You think you're doing good by giving up on this fight and compromising, but it's not going to help anything. You see, generational giants are going to come. Every generation has them. And it takes the courage of one man to stand to give courage to the next generation. And it takes a cause worth standing for to give a cause to the next generation. Lastly, Look at verse number 15, if you would please, of chapter 21. Moreover, the Philistines had yet war again with Israel. Here, you see these Philistines? They keep coming back and keep coming back. War again, war again. War. It just keeps happening. Right? These are not new fights. Are you getting it? You're, we're going to keep fighting these fights until Jesus comes. Moreover, the Philistines had yet war again with Israel, and David went down and his servants with him and fought against the Philistines, and David, what? Waxed faint. Now, we don't know how old David is, but he's not as fit for the battle as he used to be. Is everybody okay? We can guesstimate how old he is, but... All we know is he's probably in his latter-ish years. Don't know exactly. I don't know. By my best guesstimation, I don't know. He could be anywhere from 60 to 70 years old. Not really sure. But even though he was waxing faint, he was still in the fight. Are you with me? Now look at it, please, again. And David went down and his servants with him and fought against the Philistines, and David waxed faint. Do you see that? Now, I kind of already preached it, and I knew I was getting ahead of myself, but, but maybe I won't preach it as much, but I do want you to see it at least. It was after this time, when the young men saw that David was faint in the battle, that they stepped up. Did you catch that? Because look at verse number 17. 
But Abishai, see, see, um, Ishbai Benob, or however you say his name. Remember that kids at camp a few years ago? My kids, Ishbai Benob. Remember that? There was a preacher that was preaching on this passage, and he was saying the name wrong, but he was so into it, and it, it got funnier and funnier. There was an O, like two O's in there that didn't that aren't in there. But anyway, Ishbabanab, and he kept saying it. And every time he'd say it, I'm going, oh, he's saying it wrong, and then it would just, would distract us. I'm not sure, sure I'm saying it right either. But and Ishbabanab, which was of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose spear weighed three hundred shekels of brass in weight, he being girded with a new sword, thought to have slain David. He gets himself a new sword, says, I'm going after David, right? Well, David has waxed faint. He's in the battle, but he's tired, right? Is that what you see in verse number 15? He went to the battle, but he's tired, right? And there's a giant out there with a new sword with David's name on it. Are you with me? And, and, can, and let me just say this, older generation, please listen to me. Please hear me out. The devil still has a sword with your name on it. No matter how long you've been in this fight and no matter how many times you have stood and no matter how many battles have been won, there is still a giant after you. And we cannot afford to let our guard down just because we think we are safe. We cannot afford to lose any of you older crowd, any of you older generation to a great defeat of sin. We cannot afford it. Do not let your guard down. Satan still wants you. As was said to Peter, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Satan still desires to have some of the older generation. He has not forgotten what you stood for. He has not forgotten what foundation you have built. And if he could cut your feet out from under you at the end of this fight, then it could cut the feet out from underneath of the generation watching you. Don't get out of the fight just because you fought a few battles and you're getting tired. Because there's still, a, there's still a giant out there with a sword with your name on it. Is everybody okay? Verse number 17, But Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, succured him and smote the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swear unto him, saying, Thou shalt go no more out with us to battle, but thou quench not the light of Israel. Did you catch that? Amen. They said, all right, King David, you've been the greatest general we've ever known. But we can't afford to lose you. Amen. So we're begging you. Let us take the fight. Are you with me? Let us do it. You see, every generation needs to see the previous generation staying in the fight even when you're tired. Because it gives courage to them to know that what you said was true. At 41 years old, if my dad walked away from everything he taught me, 
it would still affect me. Amen. And it would create questions in my mind about everything I know. Are you listening? Sometimes we think our kids get to the point where they're stable, and the reality is they should be and probably are, but if the people they looked up to don't stay in the fight until the end, they won't have the courage to stay in the fight themselves. But because David was out there with his sword in hand, even though he was faint, the next generation came along and said, all right, we got this now. Is everybody okay? Stay in the fight until the end. Hey, Calvary Baptist Church, those of you that have been here 30, 40, 50, 60 years, I don't know, who's been here the longest? You can go ahead and talk out in the service. Who's been here the longest? Long, longest standing members in our church. Who is it? The Cates? How many years? Can you think? Nineteen fifty six? Is that right? Nineteen sixty seven? Yeah. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> so in the fifties ish. <laughs> yeah. I knew she was the spiritual leader. <laughs> I finally got my zinger. <laughs> we need you all to stay faithful to the end. Every one of you. Remember the fights you had? I don't mean like literally. Remember the things you fought for to make sure Calvary had a chance? Remember the sacrifices you made? Remember the times you gave an offering plate when you had nothing and you just trusted God? Hello? Remember the times you recycled the oil out of the buses? Remember all the sweat and time you put into building these places with your own hands? That's what you sacrifice if you quit in the end. Amen. Because the, previous gen the next generation will lose its way if you lose yours. If they for one minute question whether or not what you fought for was worth fighting for, they won't fight for it anymore. Stay the course. Fight till you can't fight anymore. Fight till it's over. And even if you don't have the same energy to fight, then at least stand and let the young people take up the fight. But don't go back. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that You'd please help us this evening from Your Word, with the power of Your Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to understand this thing of generational giants. We've had heads bowed and eyes closed.